I'm Kara Meiber Guzman, and this is Santa Cruz Local. In the past few years, we've seen Santa Cruz leaders struggle with how to deal with access to public places. The city has temporarily fenced off parks because of vandalism and illegal camping. The city's closed public bathrooms because of destruction and misuse. Meanwhile, advocates for the homeless say that these policies are not humane. On Tuesday, the Santa Cruz City Council took a closer look at bathroom restrictions at the Loudon Nelson Community Center. The staff limited use of those bathrooms last year after all kinds of problems, from drug dealing and vandalism to sex acts. A quick disclaimer, this episode contains graphic details. If you've got kids listening, you might want to skip toward the end of this episode when we talk about housing-related matters. Stephen Baxter, you watched Tuesday night's meeting. Let's talk about the bigger picture. What are some challenges with public bathrooms in the city? Well, it's not pretty. Uh, Here's what Parks and Rec Director Tony Elliott said. For two weeks this month, his staff kept a log of problems at the city's public restrooms. He described this log at the council meeting. Uh, Eight encounters with uh, blood, uh, 35 clogged toilets, 66 instances requiring removal of graffiti, 12 needles found, two observations of active drug use. In detail, August 5th, and this is just a snapshot of a few, just a handful of them, Garfield Park on the west side, the toilet was plugged with a drug cooking can. August 6th, uh, San San Lorenzo Park, uh, men's toilet clogged with a flannel shirt, toilet paper, feces, watermelon in the urinal and sink, uh, needle in the garbage can, um, missing toilet paper. Uh, August 10th, blood splatter on the wall in the women's restrooms, fireworks set off in the sink. Okay, so what's going on at the Loudon Nelson Community Center? Well, a lot of people in Santa Cruz are familiar with the center. It's got everything from senior programs to kids' birthday parties. And there's also a basketball court outside, so it attracts a lot of people. Some of the programs at the center are for teenagers, too. I have teens who from all walks of life that come to the doors of our teen center. Teens who live in $2 million homes and teens who are homeless living in their cars. That's Robert Acosta. He runs the teen program at the center. Before the restrooms were closed at Loudon Nelson, these same teens that I'm telling you about had to deal with walking into a rest, literally cloud-filled restroom, you know, marijuana. Um, and teens offered hard drugs, offered meth, try it, it's right here, do it. We've had teens walk into the restrooms and be told to get the F out of here because they came in mid-transaction to somebody selling drugs. Um, And sorry for the graphic nature of this, but we've had teenagers open the stall door to two men, one giving the other oral sex while the other one was shooting up at the same time. So in light of all that, the staff closed the bathrooms in February 2018. Only people who were part of the center's programs could use them. Staff had to escort people in there one by one. And then in June 2018, keypads were installed on the bathroom doors. And so the community center staff would have to give the codes to people who were using the community center, but they would not give the codes to outsiders. Okay, so what was the controversy? Why did some people want to open the bathrooms? Well, some of the people who were outside the center said they were barred from using the bathrooms and they protested. They felt the policy was unfair. People who walked in off the street and homeless people didn't have access to the bathrooms after that. People have to breathe, eat, defecate, urinate, whether you let them 
you're going to allow them to do it or not. Uh, if you don't want them public defecation, you have to give them bathrooms. That's Serge Cogno. He serves on the city's Community Advisory Committee on Homelessness. It seemed more that it was the emotional response. Somebody had a horrible first day when somebody overdosed on their first day. But to close the bathroom because of that, for which really mostly challenges the homeless who tend to not get the same medical care, who tend to have the elderly have the prostate problems and need the bathrooms, they're the ones that are going to suffer. Another resident, Phil Posner, also supported opening the center's bathrooms. Why does the city, in this case, park and wreck, particularly with Loudon, prioritize uh, some bad individuals and therefore discriminate against all of the other innocent individuals who have no place to go to. Okay, so what did the council decide? The council unanimously voted to keep the center's keypad policy on the bathroom doors. That's what the city staff wanted too. Here's council member Cynthia Matthews. I feel strongly, so strongly, that the Safety of the program participants at Loudon Nelson, based on decades of experience, um, needs to be preserved with the policies that are currently in effect. However, the council was split about what else to do about other public bathrooms in the city. They came to three decisions. The council decided that it should be up to them, rather than the Parks and Rec Department, to decide to close a bathroom longer than 21 days. That also applies to parks and other public facilities. Council members Chris Crone, Sandy Brown, Drew Glover, and Vice Mayor Justin Cummings voted for that plan. They said they wanted more transparency. Council member Cynthia Matthews, however, said that it would be onerous for the council to weigh in each time. Uh, Number two, the council decided to open the city hall bathrooms during business hours. That's new, and they're going to try it for a month. They said they'll come back to the city council after that month. Councilmember Donna Myers and Mayor Martine Watkins voted against that plan. The last thing the council took up, they want to look at opening more bathrooms and porta potties throughout the city. The Community Advisory Committee on Homelessness is going to study that and bring back a plan to the city council. Here's what else you need to know. On Tuesday, the city council killed the corridor plan. So what's the corridor plan? It started a few years ago. The city wanted to update its zoning code to match its general plan. Essentially, the general plan calls for denser housing along major roads. Roads like Mission Street, SoCal Avenue, and Ocean Street. But the zoning code doesn't allow as much density. In 2017, the council put the corridor plan on hold. It turned out to be too controversial. Many east siders came out saying that this denser development would ruin the character of their neighborhood. There was a neighborhood group called Save Santa Cruz that was very vocal in its opposition. So the plan was put on hold, but it was never killed until Tuesday. So. This was a plan brought forth by council member Sandy Brown. She originally proposed it at the last council meeting. She said she wanted to resolve the conflicts between the zoning code and the general plan. 
Basically, she was worried that developers still had a way to work around the zoning code to develop dense housing along major busy roads. So it like it was originally going to be sent back to the planning commission, but today Sandy Brown put forth a motion to just kill it once and for all. And she approved that plan along with council members Chris Crone and Drew Glover and Vice Mayor Justin Cummings. Mayor Watkins and council members Donna Myers and Cynthia Matthews were opposed to this plan. Mayor Watkins said it was irresponsible that the city would be prioritizing killing the corridor plan over the work outlined by the housing blueprint, which was um, a very intense process that had a lot of community input. She likened it to working backwards. So another reason that some council members were against killing the corridor plan is because of pending legislation at the state. It's called SB 330, and basically it would prevent cities from downzoning or allowing less density than their general plan calls for. Another thing you need to know, on Tuesday, the city adopted a Vision Zero policy. It's the goal of getting to zero deaths or serious injuries from car collisions. It's a policy that's being adopted throughout the country. Watsonville actually has already adopted one. Historically, Santa Cruz has had more than the average number of cyclists, and it's had more than its share of cyclist injuries and deaths. So this Vision Zero policy involves improving intersections and bike lanes, safety education, data collection, and coordination between city departments. Another thing you need to know, the city also disbanded a community outreach committee of the Planning Commission. The committee of three planning commissioners would go to community meetings to talk about projects that are in the works. Those meetings were often hosted by developers. There's rules prohibiting planning commissioners from talking to the public about pending projects. And these meetings were a way for planning commissioners to get a taste of public opinion and also weigh in early on projects. But the council decided to disband it because of perceptions of potentially improper meetings among commission members and developers. Instead, the council adopted guidelines for how planning commissioners should conduct themselves in public meetings. The idea is to let commissioners attend and listen, but not participate. One more thing I'll say is that if you'd like a play-by-play of Tuesday afternoon's meeting, you can follow us on Twitter at the SC Local. A few quick things before we go. We're in the middle of our first membership drive. A big thank you to all our new members. 84 as of Tuesday night. That's so exciting. Thank you especially to our Defender and Guardian level members. Fred Keeley, Sharon Padilla, Jim Weller, Bud Colligan, Elizabeth and David Doolin, Alexanne Baxter, and Chris Necklison. We appreciate your support. As you may remember from our last Meet Santa Cruz Local episode, our goal is to reach 350 members. We still think we can get there, but we need your help. Please spread the word about Santa Cruz Local any way you can. We know we've got a good product. We just need more people to hear about it. 
To find out more about membership, you can visit santacruzlocal.org. I'm Kara Myberg-Guzman. Thanks for listening to Santa Cruz Local.